Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio Classics, where we take a look at a classic episode of Dead Rabbit Radio with some new info, some new behind-the-scenes stuff. This is a really fun episode. This is an episode that I just listened to recently because I was looking for episodes to do classics on. Some of them I remember very clearly, right? I remember recording them. I remember coming up with the idea, like, what am I going to do this week? Sometimes really, it's like fly by the seat of my pants. Like, I got to record something today. What are we going to talk about? I'm going through notes. And sometimes I have really good memories of doing episodes. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not ready to talk about that one yet. This is an episode that I actually, it wasn't on my radar to be a Dead Rabbit Radio classic, but I'm actually glad I found it. You know, we have so many episodes, I'm still rediscovering episodes. This is an episode that I think we got a lot to say about the show as a total. I think we're going to touch on some really interesting behind-the-scenes stuff. So let's go ahead and get started. This is episode 569. Is there a hidden civilization living inside the Great Wall of China? We start off Monday with a story that will really kind of piss you off. It still gets under my skin, and I've been reading it all week. And then we take a look at the conspiracy theory that a popular reality show may have been warning us of the coming police state. It's not It's not cops. That's not the reality show I'm talking about. And then... We travel to China, specifically the Great Wall of China, to investigate a new rumor that is spreading around the internet. Is it possible that there is an entire civilization living inside the Great Wall of China? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend. We have a ton of stuff to cover. So first off, let's give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Alexander Hellander. Alexander Hellander, he's walking into the building, doing a little bow. He should change his last name to Highlander. That would be dope. Or, you know, just have his family legacy, his name Hellander. Alexander, you're going to be our captain, our pilot of this episode. And if you can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. That also really, really helps out a lot. So I'm going to toss Alexander the keys to the Jason Jalopy. He's kind of spinning them on his finger there for a second. I wanted to give you guys a little news update. Uh, real quick news. We are doing a live episode on Thanksgiving Day. That's at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're going to be doing a live episode. And then afterwards, and maybe a little bit before the episode, we'll be taking questions, having talking and stuff you know what you know what humans do when they meet each other and i announced it during the live stream that i had on saturday um next year we're coming out with the dead rabbit radio video game so i've been working on that it's a lot of fun it's with rpg maker which i've used in the past i did create a game from start to finish it was a two-hour campaign it was fun to do it was the people who played it thought it was fun as well so we're going to be doing that game it's going to be on itch.io so it's free if you want to kick down a buck or two, you can, but it's going to be out there. It's for you guys. It gives me something to do, too, so I'm not just playing Minecraft on my time off. I'm building this game. You are going to be able to play a Dead Rabbit Radio fan. You, you get to play you, searching for me after I have been kidnapped by Mormon Bigfoot. So it's going to be all of our favorites. Hans is going to show up. Hans and a little monkey army is going to show up. I've been working on it. But that's going to be coming out next year. So Alexander, are you ready to take us to our first story? He nods. Do, do, do. Alarm's going off. Everyone's looking around. They're like, what's that? 
And I go, I want you to know we all have a new job. We are now officially baby savers. And you're like, what in the world is a baby savers? I mean, this is what time we're talking. This is what time we're talking. You're all filling out your W-9. I'm like pushing you aside. You're like, no, don't worry. Don't worry. Just take your taxes out later. Go, 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 go. We got this new job. Baby savers. Alexander's driving. The Jason Jalopy has a little siren on it. Woo. We're driving to save little baby person. You, could you get any more noble than that? We're in Newton, Alabama. The car is racing through the streets of Newton, Alabama. It's the year 2017, and we just got a call that a baby needs saving. So we pull up to this Department of Human Services building. We're kicking down their door. They're like, dude, we know you work here, baby savers. You don't need to kick down our door all the time. Get out of the way, person who's trying to help us. Pushing our way into the back. In the back office, there's a woman named Grace Locke, and she's holding... Her little three-month-old baby. Now, Grace Locke has two kids already, got busted for some sort of drug crime. We don't care. We don't care about the specifics. We're just baby savers, right? She got busted for a drug crime. Her other two children got taken away. She did her time. Part of her parole, her probation, she had to do drug tests all the time. And she'd been doing really good. That's what she'd been telling people, right? You can never trust these guys. Oh, I'm not using the meth anymore. I'm not doing that no more. And she decides that she wants her other two kids back. She wants to have her family because now she has this three-month-old child and she wants her other two kids out of the foster system. They can be a family again. I'm not on drugs anymore, she tells everybody. But when she's at Department of Human Services, she's holding her three-month-old baby. We're standing in the room. We got our sunglasses on. Me, Alexander's looking super tough. He's all hitting his hand. I'm like, dude, dude, calm down a bit. Calm down a bit. No punching yet. And it turns out that while she's sitting in the office, someone comes in. She's like trying to make her case to get her other two kids back. And they go, yeah, that's all well and good. But we are getting the results of your most recent drug test. You tested positive for meth. And not only that, so did your baby. Your three-month-old baby tested positive for meth. So her baby is taken from her arms at that meeting. That's where we come in. And then... I don't know. We just save him. We just, we put him in a corral in the middle of a park. I, I, someone else can handle that side. We just literally take the babies. So that unfortunately happens, right? You have people trying to get their kids back. You have people who are struggling with drug abuse, and it's it's a struggle. You're gonna use. You're gonna go a while without using. You're gonna use for a while. It's this whole thing. But Grace was sitting there and going, "That's impossible. It's impossible. I have not used meth in a long time." She's just sobbing. Around the same time, there was this woman. She had already had issues with the law. She was getting drug tested. Popped a drug test. Her kids get taken away from her. Because again, this happens. This is pretty common. But that girl's mom, the grandmother to the children, is like, I know for a fact my daughter has not been using drugs. I know for a fact she hasn't been using drugs. She gets the lab paperwork. And she sees the doctor who signed off on it saying that, that she tested positive for drugs. She goes to the doctor's office. She says, I want to talk to you about this. Like, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but I can guarantee you my daughter was not using drugs. And the doctor, that's all he does is process drugs. Even on his off time, he's like, oh, what a long day at work. He brings home a bunch of urine and blood. He's like, oh, this is so relaxed. And he's testing it. He goes, I test it all the time. Yeah, I do hear this all the time. But let me take a look at that paperwork. And he looks at it and he's looking at it over and he goes... That's not my signature. I never tested this person. This story really pisses me off. This story absolutely pisses me off. Brandy Murrah 
She was the owner of A&J Lab Collections. So what it is is people do the drug testing and then they the lab collection people collect it as per their name and then they send it out to be tested by the doctors. They're handling stuff for like employment. They're handling stuff for probation. They're handling stuff for foster system trying to get their kids back. Department of Health and Human Services type of thing. Brandy Murrah, the owner of A&J Lab Collections, she owed money to these doctors. So she would gather the samples and then send the samples out to the doctors, but she wasn't paying her bills. So the doctors stopped accepting her samples until she caught up on her bills. But she can't catch up on her bills unless all these other places are paying her to send the stuff off. So what does she do? She just takes these drug tests. She takes these vial of blood, urine, a little bit of hair. She's a voodoo witch. She's doing that on the side. She's just saying positive for meth. Positive for heroin. Positive for meth. She just starts making up positive drug results and then forging doctors' names. People's kids were get taken away because of her. People who... Listen, I make a lot of jokes about like people using meth and stuff like that. We pretty much had Meth Monday going on for a while. But come on. Like, you gotta... Like, someone who's a drug addict... How many times were they lying to people saying, no, 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 Ma, I'm clean. I'm clean this time. And then they OD or they, no, can I have $20? I'm going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I'm going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. I know I'm going to beat the high score. And then they go out and they, they cop again. And that goes on and on. And then eventually you hit rock bottom and then you do try to recover or you go to prison or something happens with your kids or something like that. There's always with drug abuse, there's always a trust issue. Now imagine that you are actually clean. After years and years and years of lying and stealing, lying to yourself as well, you're clean. And you fail a drug test and somebody takes your three-month-old baby out of your arms. That's quite sinister too, to make up a <laughs> make up a baby drug test. My first drug test by Fisher-Price. Like, that's pretty sinister. She was making this stuff up, ruining people's lives. People who... We're really trying to make it work. That, oh man, this story pissed me off so much when I read it, dude. I was like, you're really picking on people who are trying their hard, their hardest to get their life back together. She's, she's in prison for 15 years now for fraud. 15 years for however much money. And the police say, we don't know how many times she did this. We estimate it's in the thousands thousands of false drug tests and i'm wondering too how it's not so bad if you're applying for a job and you have meth in your system and she says tested negative right you go to the job you act all totally freaking out all the time your Wee herman's personal assistant he's like oh i like your moves that's fine i mean it could be troublesome if you're the boss and you hire that guy but to struggle so long with addiction and be clean and people still kind of like not believing you because you lied so often. And then having science tell you, oh, you're lying. Oof. This story really made me mad. Really, really made me mad. So let's take Grace's baby out of the pen that we have built in the park and give Grace her baby. Could you imagine that? Listen to this quote that Grace had after it happened. Quote, it was terrible. I felt like my heart was being ripped out of my chest because I knew I was doing right with this one. I knew I was doing right. 
Jacked up, dude. The story really, really, really makes me mad. Alexander, let's go ahead and leave behind Brandy Mirage. She has on a little jail suit. She's looking out between bars. I don't have to say allegedly because she's already been sentenced. Call in that Carpenter Caboose. We're hopping on the rails. We're taking a train trip out to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I know you wanted to pull the whistle, Alexander, so go ahead. Everyone wants to pull the whistle. Everyone gets a chance the whole time we're going there. We're all deaf by the time we get there. We are now in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We are at Abby Lee Dance Company. And so... There's Abby Lee. You're like, I still, don't, I still don't know where we're at. Who's that? The Dance Moms. It's the show Dance Moms. It's that reality show. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a bunch of little girls like trying to, to hone their craft. And their moms who are... I have a weird attraction to the moms. I should say right now. I've watched more than a few episodes of this show. I have a weird attraction to the moms. Because I like people who are super driven. And they're all wealthy, which is which is another thing I'm attracted to. You ha- so you have them, and they just sit there, and they mock each other constantly, and then they talk trash about other people's kids. Not so much. Um, you're like, Geez, what does any of this have to do with paranormal conspiracy and true crime? I'll get to that. You're like, this isn't Dead Rabbit Recommends, is it? I was like, no, 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 no. I do watch a lot of... Re- I don't watch as much as I used to, because I don't have a lot of time, but... I do enjoy reality television set. I enjoy competitive reality television, and I enjoy reality television that is a subculture that I'm not a part of. Like, I was watching that My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding. (laughs) That's not even a show. It was about a bunch of gypsies running around Britain, getting married. They were, like, all living in a trailer park, and you had to have subtitles on because you couldn't understand what anyone was saying. But anyway, so I watched nonsense like that. Um, I used to watch it all the time. So I've seen more than a few episodes of Dance Moms. Abby Lee is basically yelling at kids. The whole show is yelling at kids. It's actually quite terrible. The kids are crying the whole time. Um, but again, this is not <laughs> this is not a Dead Rabbit recommends. If you want to see kids crying, watch Dance Moms. 8 p.m. on A&E or, or TLC or whatever. The reason why we're talking about this, I have a legitimate reason why we're talking about this. We're sitting in Abby Lee's dance studio. There's a bunch of hot moms sitting next to us. And um, there's a bunch of, like, uh, kids dancing and stuff like that. And then, so we're watching that, but see, in the corner, we see, like, this guy. He's, like, this this dude just standing there in the corner. And he's, like, has a little earpiece in it. He's, like, they're doing the dance. They're doing... <laughs> they're doing the dance you like, boss. They're really cool one, the technical one where they have to twirl around on their toes. Yeah, they're doing it really good. There's a guy with an earpiece, and he goes... The dance has commenced, sir. We can start with plan one. This is you. <laughs> I'm making it so convoluted. Here it is. Let me just tell you what the conspiracy theory is. I don't know why I built up this whole mythology, this dance mom's universe. It's Here's a conspiracy theory. There's this person on Reddit named Gatorquake who, who put together this timeline. This is going to blow your mind, guys. January 5th, 2016, season six, episode one. I actually had to watch this because I had to verify she wasn't just making this stuff up. But season six, episode one, the girls put on a performance. It's all interpretive dance, which is my least favorite kind of dance. There's a girl in a bubble and the other dancers are wearing face masks and they're pushing the bubble around. And she's like, uh, 
And then um, the dance, I watched the whole routine because, again, I was like, that's the least interesting part of the show, honestly. I'd rather see the dance moms. They're doing the dance, and then she's, like, getting pushed around and stuff like that, and then she dies in the bubble. Not in real life. It was part of the interpretive dance. You're like, oh, my God, a kid died? I got to watch that show. No, that doesn't happen. January 17th, 2017, season seven, episode eight. One girl is not there. She doesn't show up to practice. And again, it's super competitive dancing. She's at the ER with chest pains. And the dance teacher goes, mm mm, that's not good. I heard a virus is going around. January 24th, 2017, season seven, episode nine. I tried looking for this clip on YouTube because it sounds hilarious. And I found it, but it wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. A girl starts throwing up. And she throws up into a garbage can. So, you know, it's not super funny. You don't actually see, like, chicken bones coming out of her mouth. She's throwing up. And the other moms are like, get her out of here, dude. Like, if she's throwing up, she's going to get all these other kids sick. And the girl's like, oh, no. Dude, maybe I should dead rabbit recommend it because the show's hilarious. The the kids are like between the ages of like 9 and 16, 17. There's this little 11, 10 year old girl. She's like, oh, I don't I don't feel so well, mom. (laughs) She's throwing up in this garbage can. The other moms are like, get her out of here. She's going to get all these other kids sick. We're in this enclosed environment. And the girl's mom is like, oh, no, no, she's okay. She'll just practice over here, and then she takes a giant garbage can, sits it down next to her daughter, and goes, keep dancing. If you need to throw up, just throw up in the... (laughs) I can't imagine a parent being so callous. Let her go home, dude. She's vomiting. Like, if someone has a bad tummy ache, yeah, whatever. Do a couple spin spin around. (laughs) Don't do that. But you know what I mean? Like, work it out. But if she's actively throwing up, they just put a garbage can next to her and go, okay, five, six, seven. <laughs> it's so awful. Such an awful show. But anyways, the point is, is that Gator Quake on Reddit posted this. Dance Moms Predictive Programming. The show Dance Moms was preparing the world for COVID. With these three episodes, it was tuning into people's brains. You see, the first one, her in the bubble and everyone with masks, that was to show the containment, the isolation that the world is coming to. Second one, Abby Lee goes, there's a virus going around because no one ever says that, ever, unless they're predictive programming for a pandemic. No one's ever go, yeah, I heard the flu's going around. If you said that, you're part of the problem. And then Gator Quake goes on to say, oh, that scene where the girls are telling her to leave, telling the last one, with the, the girl's throwing up, by the way. I'd be telling her to leave, too. Take, her, take your daughter home. They're saying, see, that showed the anger people are going to have at people who don't self-isolate. This is my thing about predictive programming. There are so many thousands of hours of content cranked out a day that you are going to have matches. That's always been one of my big arguments against predictive programming. Think about all the movies that are churned out, all the television shows, all the songs that are churned out. So when you have a rap song from two years ago and he's like, yo, coronavirus gonna get ya. People go, oh, it's predictive programming. This underground rapper, it's a pretty good song. I'll put it in the show notes. He really did say that. This underground rapper said this, predictive programming. How, how many hundreds and thousands of hours, hundreds of thousands of hours of content had come out in the past two years all over the world. 
you're going to get some hits. That's always been my thing about predictive programming. So yeah, that it's that you're going to get some matches when you pump out what is that? 7 seasons of Dance Moms and you pull out 3 episodes where people are sick, then yes, you're right. People get sick sometimes on television. And uh, there's a pandemic going on. You're right. But how many other hundreds of hours of television didn't have that stuff? So that's always my thing with predictive programming. Um, I just found this one one super interesting because it involved a bizarre show. A lot of times they involve things that are more popular, like The Simpsons. I guess Dance Moms is pretty popular. Her argument was that this show was specifically to get stay-at-home moms ready for COVID. But if they're stay-at-home moms, they're already staying at home. So they already stay at home. And COVID is about getting people to stay at home. So basically, you'd, they'd be like, oh, no. Normally, I sit on the couch for 10 hours a day. Now i got to sit on the couch for 12 hours a day? Oh, woe is me. Bring the wine. So anyways, you can always find predictive programming and a bunch of stuff. But Alexander... Get ready to call in that Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Abby Lee's dance studio, and we are headed out to China. We're flying out there. Got on little tap shoes and doing a little tap dance. The whole way, you're like, oh my god, this is so awful. I'm trying to impress those dance moms. I'm like, look at my moves, ladies. (laughs) As you guys take a quick vote whether or not to push me out of the Carpenter Copter. Luckily, you guys vote not to. We land at the Great Wall of China. This was actually a recommendation uh, via Levi on Facebook. So thank you, Levi. I really, really appreciate it. thought it was an interesting story. It's a, it's a little baby conspiracy. This one is just starting off. And I wanted to explore it very early with you, and we can see where this goes. Will it sprout like a mighty tree? Or just not? <laughs> just be a seed in the ground people forget about. A long, long time ago. I didn't write it in my notes. I didn't put it in my notes. But a long time ago was old wind brushing over China, which I didn't put in my notes. <laughs> I didn't write in my notes where the wall was either. You can tell this is a very well-prepared episode. The dudes, the Mongols, kept going into China and like pushing over stuff. They're like, ah, ah. They run up to the emperor. They keep knocking him over and then leave. He's like, I, that's it. I'm tired of getting toppled over every time the Mongols show up. Let's build a big old wall. So they build this giant wall. They call it the Great Wall. I don't know. Did they call it the Great Wall of China? We don't call it the uh, Statue of Liberty of the United States. Like, did they just say the Great Wall? Or, or did they have a cooler name like the Barrier from Beyond or something like that? Who knows? I'm sure I could look it up, but again, poorly, poorly set up episode. There's a great wall all over this place in China. It's like in the supermarket, it goes everywhere. And it kept out the Mongols, kept out a bunch of raiders. It's actually the largest man-made structure on Earth. I'm actually surprised there's not more ancient alien stuff. I have a theory of why. Because China had good written records, so we know how it was built. Um, all that ancient alien stuff, they go, well, there's no written record, so we're just going to make stuff up, pretty much. Um, but for this one, they, I've never heard that aliens built the Great Wall of China, even though it's the largest man-made structure in the world. Surprise, there's no story. There might be out there. I've just never really looked into it. But anyways, so you have the Great Wall of China, and it kept the Mongol hordes out. No one's going to ride all the way around the wall. You don't even know at what point you're going to, like, the wall's going to end, so you just give up. You're like, well, we'll go the other way. We'll raid uh, 
the Middle East or something like that. Because <laughs> that's much easier than just climbing a wall. On June 26, 2020, on the X board, there is a post that talks about Kellandia. And what it is, is you had a Mongol horde show up to the wall. And they're like, oh, great. We heard people talk about this wall. We saw people coming back. They're like, hey, how is it pushing over the emperor of China? They're like, couldn't get there. There is a wall. What? There's that big of a wall? They're like, yeah, yeah, don't waste your time. We're headed out to Turkey. Oh, okay. They get there. They get to the wall. And they're like, oh, this sucks. Probably should have listened to my fellow countrymen. But instead of leaving, they say, you know, you know the old, you know the old Mongol saying, home is where the heart is. What if we live in the wall? <laughs> what are you talking about? He goes, no, 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 hear me out, hear me out. We need a place to, we can still do raiding parties. There's still like people we can attack on this side of the wall. And maybe if, you know, if since we're already digging into the wall anyways, maybe we could just pop out the other side. But my point is, is that why would we like scale the wall or dig through the wall, attack a bunch of people and then have to go back through the wall to get home? Why don't we make our home inside the wall itself? And everyone's kind of thinking about it, and they go, let's give it a shot. So they begin moving bricks around. Do they have guards on the wall? Like, what's the point of having a giant wall? Because other people, like, could climb up it and stuff like that, or just bring a giant ladder next time? Like, what's the point of having a wall unless you have guards on it? But the wall's so big, you would need a ton of guards or guys with really good eyesight. (laughs) one of the two either a thousand people or just a hundred who can see well i'm sure they had a guard right maybe um probably should have researched that anyways the point is is that apparently a group of mongols built a hole in the wall and then created a series of tunnels underneath and inside the great wall of china itself And at first, it was just like they'd pop out every so often with their horses. That'd be shocking, right? A horse jumping up from underneath the ground is something you wouldn't expect. The horses would come out. They'd do raiding parties. They'd go back to the wall. First, it started off like that. But over time, a full civilization began to grow within the Great Wall of China. You had like a a city down there, a full civilization. They were no longer part of the Mongolian Empire. They were their own separate thing. They were Kellandia. So this first jumped up on June 26, 2020. People were immediately like, well, that's dumb. Like, that doesn't work at all. There's a couple different reasons it doesn't work. One person said Kellandia is a European way of naming things, that the Mongols wouldn't call it that. And the guy says, yeah, he says that he was teaching English over in China from the year 2005 to 2007, and he had heard this local rumor. That's what this was. And he says, listen, China wants to keep a lot of stuff under wraps. This is one of those secrets that China doesn't want anyone to know about. That thread dies out really quickly. There's maybe like six, seven post response to it. It dies out. The next mention of Kalandia is the next day, June 27th. It just pops up in a other board. People are talking about conspiracy theories. And someone's like, hey, did you ever hear this thing about Kalandia? Really doesn't gain any traction. July 29th. Someone's saying they had heard the story of Kalandia, but everything that's written about it is in Chinese, so it's hard to actually get sources on it. And this kind of goes on and on. These are the dates that I could actually find it was posted on the export. June 26th, June 27th, July 29th, August 25th, October 22nd. So let's take a look at this as a whole. One, the most likely thing is that somebody's completely making this story up. They're trying to fetch Kalandia. 
They're trying to get it to be a conspiracy theory and people aren't buying it. And we've come across that a lot. Some conspiracy theories catch hold very quickly. Some take a while and some of them are like fetch. It's just never going to catch on. Like it's just not going to go anywhere. It's possible that it's totally made up. It's possible that each of these are from the same person. I do find it interesting. I'm not a big fan of coincidences. We just talked about that with the predictive programming thing. It's coincidence, right? But I do think that this is weird. Let's look at those dates again. June 26th, June 27th. That would make me really think it was the same person posting it on two separate days. July, August, October. It's always in the 20s. 26th, 27th, 29th, 25th, 22. Coincidence? Yes, most likely. But it's an odd coincidence as well that it's spread out over, what is that, four months, and it's always in that same brain. It's like they only get access to the, <laughs> they only get access to the internet the last 10 days of the month. But let's put on our conspiracy cap here, and we'll end it like this. Yes, it probably is a conspiracy theory that is just not going to catch on. It's probably something somebody made up and it's not going to catch on. But let's put on our conspiracy caps for a moment. The poster said this is the reason why sections of the Great Wall of China are inaccessible. They're actually roped off. Now, the official reason is because they're super dangerous. They're rubbly. You know, the wall wasn't built to last as long as it has. So you, you, you're walking, you fall, and you slip on a bunch of rocks and stuff like that. But that's the official explanation. That's just not safe. But his explanation was that, that those parts that are cordoned off lead to the civilization. A civilization... That is still down there. The story wasn't that they were just down there for a while. There still is a separate nation at this point living within the Great Wall of China. Conspiracy caps on our heads. This is the type of group that would pull the strings and run the world. A group you've never heard of. If you know about them, they have no power. 100%. In the conspiracy world, if you know about them, they have no power. Because if they had power, you would never know about them. Know about predictive programming. They got to let us know to let their plan. If they run the world, you never know the culture, the language, the people exist. They are ghosts. These are the type of groups you have to look out for. A group that is hidden for hundreds or thousands of years. You have no idea that they exist. When people talk about them, you laugh. And I laugh. And someone trying to tell that story, the threads just die off. These are the groups that are the most worrisome because you don't know you're supposed to be afraid of them because you don't even know they exist. It's possible that this person is onto something, that there is a hidden society inside. <laughs> I mean, it's, fun. it's a funny visual, but that there's a hidden civilization inside the Great Wall of China. So it's possible that this poster, whoever he is, is actually onto something. Is actually trying to let people know about Kalandia. And they may not even know how dire the circumstances actually are. This may be a local legend they heard while they were teaching over in China. But it actually may be a clue to who is pulling the strings around the world. Now I've always said I don't think there's one monolithic group that is controlling the world. I think there are hundreds of separate groups trying to control the world. I think there are hundreds of separate groups that are fighting amongst each other. Sometimes they make alliances for short-term gain. But they're constantly pushing and pulling at world politics, at society, at culture, entertainment. This is constantly going on. 
but it's these groups that you don't even know exist that are the most dangerous. Because if you don't know they exist, you can't prepare to fight them. And a group that started off as savage raiders, raping and pillaging their way across China. If they're now in the boardrooms, if they're now in the halls of power, that savagery is still there. That take-all energy is still there. You may not be able to find their nation on a map. You might not ever know how to speak their language. You may never even know they exist. But they know you exist. They can't wait until they take over the world. The silent masters vying to conquer everything and rule the planet from within inside the Great Wall of China. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, and I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Well, that was episode 569 of Dead Rabbit Radio. This was a good one. I really like this one. I got a lot of stuff to say, not just about the individual stories, but the show overall. So, you know, one thing that we talk about here in the back end, right? I have friends that I talk to about the show. I talk to Sabine about it. I talk to Veronica about it. And one thing that constantly comes up is the show for the day of. When I'm doing this show, and I've said this before on other episodes of Classics, there is no manual on how to do a podcast. There's nothing really written. There's maybe a book here. There may be a book there, but there's nothing that's all-encompassing of it. If you want to be a jazz musician, there's books on that. If you want to be a trumpet, a solo trumpet player who goes on tour, there's books on that. Because the industry has been so well-paved, right? You can find books on pretty much any other artistic subject, no matter the niche. There's nothing like that for a podcast. And anything that is like that, it's woefully outdated already. And one of the things, this is what's called an evergreen show. So if you listen to it the day of or five years from now, it's the same show. Movie review podcasts, podcasts where they're talking about season three of The Mandalorian. People aren't going to be listening to that in two or three years. Political podcasts, right? News podcasts. It's almost old the next week. So when you do an evergreen podcast, you know, I'm talking about Great Wall of China. That's not going anywhere, right? Uh, greed, human greed in the first story. That's not going anywhere, right? It's an evergreen podcast, but what's interesting is I have to make the podcast for both people who are listening that day and people who are going to be listening in five years. And this is one of those episodes where in the beginning, I'm talking about making a Dead Rabbit video game. And I'm coming right off the live stream and I'm talking about the stuff before you guys get too excited. The game was never developed. It never came out, right? The second I announced it, it became work. It was no longer relaxing and I dropped it. And I have this thing with Dead Rabbit Radio. I've said this before. The podcast is the main thing and anything that interferes with the podcast, whether it's taking the podcast and cutting it in half and putting it on YouTube is two different pieces or adding driving footage if you're watching it on YouTube or doing this project or that project. Anything that detracts from a daily paranormal podcast is immediately cut off. Like when it comes down to doing the podcast and doing the YouTube shorts, I won't put out shorts for a week. Even though YouTube shorts 
have viral numbers, right? 50, 60, 100,000 views of the YouTube shorts. Podcast comes first. So I dropped the video game. I dropped the video game. But it's interesting because the beginning of the episode, I'm just kind of talking casually about what happened during the Thanksgiving live stream. And it's funny because if you're listening to that episode today, you're like, what? None of this stuff makes sense. None of this. Well, it's not that it doesn't make sense, but it's not relevant to you because you're listening to it in the middle of July. But you have to have that balance, right? Because there are people who are listening day of. There's a lot of people who listen to the show the day of. So I'm making this show for them. And we do keep that information going. And then if you're, cause if you're listening to it, I, I imagine this, if you're listening to it four or five years in the future, you're like, wow, that was cool. There was like a live stream. This, this guy was doing live. I would like to be part of that next time. I listen to podcasts and they talk about events that I'm like listening way later. And they're like, oh yeah, we have this live event. And I think, oh man, I wish I could have been there. So I think it is kind of a cool thing, but it's just one of those things. Like when you're creating a song, it is evergreen, right? You're writing a music and you know, it could be played in a club 10 years from now, but podcasting, you, you kind of are addressing both audiences, someone listening right now and someone who's listening five years from now, because it's an evergreen podcast. Again, if it's a movie review podcast, no, it's all right away, right? You're not thinking about someone cares what my views are on the first season of Book of Bubba Fett in the year 2030, right? No one's going to care. So yeah, this was a neat episode. I've all, That's always been a conversation that I'm kind of having with myself and my friends. I go, you know, like, what's the balance there? And sometimes I talk a little too much in the beginning and I cut it out. I do that a lot. I'll talk a lot about recent stuff and I'm like, nobody cares. I'll take it out. Also, the, one of the things, I like this true crime story in the beginning. And it was funny because usually I get bored listening to the podcast <laughs> because I know it all. I know all the twists and turns of the story. When I was listening to the Coney episode, I wasn't bored, but I remember going, oh yeah, and I, I, there's going to be a voodoo curse cast. And I remember that, that this whole thing about him in the movie theater. Like it was coming back to me. When I was listening to this true crime story about the meth, the meth moms, or they were accused of being meth moms. I remember thinking, how does this end? Like, I remember it being fake. I remember something was fake, but I didn't remember who it was, if it was a dirty prosecutor or what. So when it turns out that it was that woman running that drug facility, I was like, oh, dude, that's totally jacked up. I like covering true crime stories. Someone posted recently on my YouTube shorts. They said, you cover a lot of true crime that's recent. Like you're talking about stuff from July 2022. She goes, this is really cool. I wish I remembered who said that. But I could I could look it up. But it's a degrees in my apartment right now. Props. I remember you. Some young lady said that to me but I got to finish recording this. That's what I like, right? I do like the old school. Uh, I could sit there and read a book about some old school serial killer or something like that. But I like, this is true crime that affects people's lives today, right? And these poor moms, right? Like that, the story really, really pissed me off when I was re-listening to it. It definitely pissed me off when I was talking about it. I like covering true crime that's super recent. If you want to give a deep dive on Ted Bundy, there's a ton of resources out there. Not a lot of people are doing this. You know, not a lot of podcasters are covering stuff like this or YouTube channel is covering like nightly news type of crime. So very, very interesting true crime story. And I, I like doing that. I like covering that type of true crime. And dude, you know what? I As I was listening to this episode, I was kind of like, oh man, predictive programming. Let's move to this second. I do not have an I'll tell you a big behind the scenes thing 
on Dead Rabbit Radio. I was listening to this episode. It, it, one, it had when I laugh like that. I'm when I'm laughing at my own jokes when I'm chuckling or kind of like gasping for breath. Don't get me wrong; that's an authentic laugh. I'm actually laughing in the moment. But when I do that hearty, ho, 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 that's uncontrollable laughter. Like that's when. I've completely lost it. I've maybe only done it a, a, a dozen times over the course of 900 episodes, but that Dance Moms episode where they were making her, they weren't making her throw up in the garbage can, but if she had to throw up, she threw up in the garbage can. I was trying to hold that laugh back the whole time because I know how loud it can get. So funny. But I would say once a month, this is not an exaggeration, once a month, I have to edit out a seven to 10 minute long rant about predictive programming. And I'd almost say since the, I'd almost say since the beginning of the show, predictive programming, if you want to rile me up more than anything, rest your entire case on predictive programming. I think that the theory is flawed from the get go. I'm going to really try to limit this because I can go off on this. I think it's one of those theories that really comes out of a single source like Fritz Spingelmeyer or whatever his name was. A lot of the Illuminati information we come from comes from a single author, a single document, talking about these Illuminati insiders. And now you'll have people doing these podcasts or doing these YouTube channels or writing these books and they're quoting it like it's fact. Because they've heard it so many times that all of this can be traced back to a single source. And if you could look at any type of science or history or anything that could be brought back to a single source, it should be suspect. I mean, generally, when we look at single sources, we're talking about religious texts. And even they're not single sources. You have other people either writing books or writing dissertations on what was said in that religious text to explain it forward. But if you have something that comes from a single source, it's always suspect. And when you look at stuff like predictive programming, the idea is, is the this is the whole... Oh, God damn it, I don't want to go on a long rant about this. It is 100 degrees in here. Predictive programming is the idea that for the Illuminati's magic to... So right there, you have to believe in magic. Like, you can be the most hardcore conspiracy theorist and not believe in magic. But for predictive programming, the way that it works is that for the magic, for the ceremony to be complete, the Illuminati must warn us of what they are about to do before they do it. And that's how you have an episode of The Simpsons where they go to New York City and they have 9-11 imagery. He's holding up the money in front of the magazine that says $9 to go to New York City and there's a picture of the Twin Towers and it looks like the 11. Listen, is it weird? Yes. But like I stated in this episode, there are hundreds of hours of entertainment completed every single day. I would say hundreds of hours around the world finished every single hour. Of course, you're going to have stuff matching up. And you can find stuff where it goes, hey, look it. Here is 9-11 is the biggest one, right? Here's this. This is them warning about it. Therefore, all predictive programming is real. Television means tell a vision, right? It's all part of this spell. Of course, that doesn't explain the radio or the phonograph or any other sort of, you know, medium. How come we don't see when we're looking, why why is it always uh, English? Why is it always American television that has this stuff? How come we don't see predictive programming about the Georgia Guidestones in movies made in Bollywood? You have a bunch of People dancing around to a jaunty tune and then a bunch of rocks blow up. Why is it always... Because Illuminati's global. 
Why is it always Hollywood? Because you can't tell me that the Illuminati runs Hollywood. Hollywood's the third biggest media, movie, television producing scene in the world. Number one's India. Number two's uh, Nigeria. So we're number three. So why is the influence just circulated there? More people really are watching these Bollywood movies than watching American movies. Also, they'll find like super obscure stuff like an episode of Rugrats or something like that back from 1997. And, you know, I could really just go on and on about this. Now, the thing is, is someone who believes in predictive programming can go, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about that episode of The Lone Gunman when they fly the plane in between the two towers? Yeah, you can keep pointing at... Once you guys have already clicked off, you're like, oh, this is why I cut these out. Because they're super dry. And I feel like I'm arguing with a straw man. And at the end of the day, I mean, <laughs> I mean okay, I'm just going to stop there because this is why I cut them out. My tone of voice is exactly the same. I'm on, I'm just exasperated. If you guys heard what I just said, and you guys probably, you guys were probably even maybe tuning out too. And I'm talking about it with such dead, <laughs> dead eye focus. I'm just staring at my door as I'm talking about it. I have to edit these out. <laughs> I have to edit these out once a month because I'll be covering a story. They'll talk about predictive programming and I'll say exactly what I said in almost the same tone. And I don't find it entertaining. I don't admit a debate would be awesome. My rule with debating, I've always thought about debating people. My rule with debating people is that I want to see them because you can see me and I use my real name. You need to do the same service to me. I'm not going to argue if your name is prop master 92 and you're, you have an avatar of a clown, right? I don't think that's a fair, I don't think that's fair. If I'm going to put my face out there and I'm using my real name I'm obviously standing by my positions. I want to see your face and I want you to use your real name. So that's, I've thought about that with debating people online. Like Hans Wormhat obviously isn't his real name. I would just like to meet Hans, Hans Wormhat. But I would just like to shake that man's hand. I, you know, debating him would, would, you know, I would rather talk to him, right? I wouldn't go like, I'm going to prove monkeys don't exist. Or wait, no, 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 monkeys do exist. I wonder, he's already got me. I would like to sit down and have a conversation with him. And if it's not a debate, then no, I don't need to see his face or anything like that. I would just like to get to know him. But I would love to debate someone about predictive programming. But again, what would be the point, right? What would be the point? Basically, it's not super entertaining. I think the Dance Mom segment was really fun. It was entertaining. I gave my very... I can almost guarantee that, that what I talked about predictive programming in that episode was at least three or four times longer i bet you it was a 12 minute rant i had to cut out i almost can guarantee it because it always grinds my gears when we talk about that let's get to the last story though hidden civilization hidden in the wall of china this story was recommended to me i don't remember who recommended it to me i did say their name in the episodes i'm always grateful to get those recommendations from you guys it's always fantastic and again this story puts that theory forth that i've talked about a couple times on the show if you know who your oppressors are, they're not your oppressors. It's a controversial statement in the world of conspiracy theory. If you can name the group who's oppressing you, they are not the true group that's oppressing you. Like, you have all the power in the world and all the money in the world. Your best play in that situation is to not exist. If I controlled the world, if I controlled everything about it, the finance, if I was the one who was funding the wars, you know, I had the Soviet Union and the Allies fighting Germany, and I was on both sides. I was financing both sides of the war. You would never know I existed. 
You would never know that my bloodline existed. I would rule from the shadows. And there's proof of that. There's proof of that. The people who run D.C., they are not... Trump called him out, right? He called him the deep state. And everyone goes, what? That's not real. And then basically every single institution in D.C. that had been in power long before him, long before Obama, long before Bush, long before Clinton, they ran him out. Leaks, contacting these reporters. They ran them out. You don't know any of their names. You may know so-and-so who got caught, but that wasn't the guy at the top. You don't know any other names. You don't know what branches they work for. You don't know what alphabet agency they report to and who that alphabet agency reports to. You have none, know none of this. That's old school conspiracy theory. That's 80s, 90s conspiracy theory back when I was a kid. We called them the shadow government back then. We can name Nancy Pelosi. We can name Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Mitch McConnell or Ted Cruz, right? They're all, all these people. The more you know someone exists, this is my theory, the more you know someone exists, the less power they have because not existing means you have limitless power. I, I would argue that Dick Cheney was far more powerful before he became vice president because after he became vice president, everyone was looking at him. That's my theory. I don't think that the people who are ruling the world would want you to know who they were. And we have proof of that. We have agencies in the United States that we don't know exist. They're black book projects. They have a budget. They just said, this is a budget from Congress. We're not saying where it's going. Do the Congress people even know what these groups do? Or who runs them? Or how many employees they have? No. And these are some of the most powerful organizations within the government, and they keep it quiet. I do believe that. I believe that if you were truly all-powerful, no one would know you existed. It, there's nothing but a net positive in that sense. I would argue a group like the Tatarian Empire, right, that supposedly was wiped off the earth, they could easily be pulling the strings from behind the scenes. How can you fight someone that you can't even prove exists? Right? How can you be racist against an ethnic group that you don't know is an ethnic group? I just love this conspiracy theory, right? It's one of those hidden in plain sights one. It's a very, very like... I'm, I turned it into this world-ending or world-governing body of power in the episode, but I just think it's so interesting that you can take it on that level, right? There's there, Basically, there's a group of people ruling the world from within the Great Wall of China. Then you can just back it out and just turn it into a kind of an interesting conspiracy theory, very low stakes, right? At one point, a bunch of people, <laughs> one point, a bunch of people lived in the Great Wall of China. And that's the reason why you can't go to certain parts of it, because you might find their hidden civilization. It's both a very quaint and obscure conspiracy theory, right? I had never heard of it before. And at the same time, you can really get your creative juices flowing and thinking about it. Like, what would they be doing there? Are they still there? What is their overall effect on the global economy or global... <laughs> I don't know why I keep extracting it out to that. I just find it fascinating. And also, it has no predictive programming in it. Oh, no, they didn't make that movie Great Wall. Maybe they were, that was Matt Damon trying to warn us of the monsters within the wall. I don't know. I just had a really fun time with this episode, both recording it you know, and listening back to it. And I'm glad I was able to share it with you with some really, hopefully, interesting. You guys all tuned out during the predictive programming thing. That's why I cut it out. But hopefully, it was interesting. But hey, I will see you guys in about a week. We're going to have new episodes out for you. So stay tuned for even more.
Dead Rabbit Radio.